0: Robert Ingersoll was a famous skeptic in the 1800s, and he would go around the country talking about uh, trying to, to persuade people that the word of God's not true, God doesn't exist, that Christianity was a lie. Well, he was in it when he was in his heyday. Two college students went to hear him lecture. As they walked down the street after the lecture, one said to the other. Well, I guess he knocked the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? The other said, No, I don't think he did. Ingersoll did not explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I will stand by my mother's God. Amen? Amen? And this is an area where I don't know that we realize the significance of a mother's life in testimony in the life of her children. And in our culture, uh, this is something that we have to be very careful of. Ladies, and, and I'm going to be nice today, okay? I really am. I'm going to make this one statement and I'm going to be nice. If we are getting, ladies, if you are getting your opinions and your views from Oprah Winfrey, Martha Stewart, The View, if this is where our attitudes And opinions are developed, then I doubt that our children could give the testimony that was given in the story that I just read. Amen? You see, there was a time when the views of the believer were influenced primarily by the Word of God. But now, we have a constant barrage of anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-morality, and anti-godly womanhood information coming through the airwaves. How many of you saw the, the report of that, that lady um, who took her, her little girl into the tanning booth with her? How many of you saw that? That's one of the weirdest things I ever saw, man. It was unbelievable. And so if, if you didn't see it, there's this lady who has obviously spent way too much time in a tanning booth. I mean, my goodness. And she had taken her little girl in and the girl had gotten uh, burns. Uh, some, I don't know what degree, but it's just insanity. And so what we have to do as believers is we have to understand what godly beauty is. We have to understand what genuine worth is, what genuine godliness is. Now, I read that story a moment about ago, and that young man said, he did nothing to explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I will stay by my mother's God. It's an important thing, isn't it? But as I say that, as I say that, ladies, do you ever feel the pressure to perform to maintain that godly testimony to your children. And sometimes that pressure just seems to be too heavy. Do you ever feel dissatisfaction with the life of a wife and a mother? My message to you today is this. Be satisfied in Christ. He's the all-sufficient one. See, here's the deal. If Laura, and she's not here today, she's home with Jacob, but if Laura... Uh, is trying, if if it's up to me to make her happy, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. If it's up to me to give her everything that she needs to be satisfied in this world, then I am going to fail. But if her satisfaction comes in the Lord Jesus Christ, then all will be well. Then all will be well. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and look at verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 5. Look what the Bible says. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. And the apostle had come and he had taught people, and, and they had seen lives changed, but he said, We're not sufficient. We can't change anybody's life. Our sufficiency is of God. Ladies, if you're going to influence your children, whether as infants or whether as adults... I kept telling Pastor Nathan, you know, Chloe is four months old, and I told him that by the time he got home, she'll have said her first word. She'll be walking, and he's going to miss it all while he was gone for a week. Um, If we are going to influence our children for the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to understand... We can't do it. How many of you have ever tried to change someone? Not their diaper, but their person. How how many of you have ever tried to change somebody? How's that working out? We can't change people. Jesus Christ can. Listen to this. This is from Lehman Strauss. He said this. The years bring change. In each soul are built many lonely hearthstones. Life leaves its empty chairs. Joys which... We once felt would remain unequal, vanish into forgetfulness. Streams which once brought glad refreshing to our hearts have dried with, and no trace of the stream bed is left. Treasures of wealth, success, and comfort have been interred with the years. Skies once sunlit and bright have oozed out leaden drops of regret. That's just happiness, isn't it? Nothing seems permanent. All is changed into such gloom. But into this gloom bursts the hallelujah fact. Thou remainest. Thou remainest. Uh, Let me give you a few points and we'll be done. First, a simple truth. A simple truth. He is sufficient. He is sufficient. You know, it seems like in a day when we have... More and more stuff. How many of you remember going to your grandmother's house and it's just this little house on a farm with a few little sticks of furniture in there, no toys to play with, no gas grill, right? And how many of you remember some of your most wonderful memories ever were going to grandma's house? Isn't that right? There's no microwave. And if you brought something instant to grandma's house, she would give you a withering stare. Y'all remember that? Now, when you get something, we we say, hey, that's just like mom used to open. (laughs) Now, now look, ladies, I'm not trying to put pressure on you because, personally, I like some of the instant stuff. You know what I mean? Ramen noodles. Hallelujah to God. But uh, I'm not trying to put pressure on you. Here's the idea, though. Don't think of it that way. That's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is this. We have more conveniences than ever. We have more things than ever, and I think many times we are less happy than ever. Now, there's nothing wrong with having things. Would you all agree with that? Jesus Christ, the Bible says He gives us these things to enjoy. Praise God. There's nothing wrong with having things, but the more things we have, the more we realize that those things do not satisfy. And for moms, and, and let me say this, I am addressing this message to moms today but it's true for everyone in the room. These truths that I'm going to give you, they're truths of Scripture that we're applying to moms today, but they're true for everyone. Let me say this. As moms, the more busy you get, and I don't know anyone who's busier than a mom, especially a single mom. I can't imagine what you single moms, uh, how, how you make it. It is so difficult. You're so busy. And sometimes you get done at the end of the day and you think, is this all there is? Is this all there is? Our sufficiency, it must be in Jesus Christ because here's what's going to happen. People will disappoint you. People will disappoint you. And yet, isn't it a wonderful thing when your mom doesn't remember anything bad about you? Amen? Now, some people have had moms where all they remember was the bad things. I'm thankful my mom wouldn't like that. I always say this about my mom. She was so positive. If the house was burning down, she'd say, let's get marshmallows. <laughs> it was interesting. She said about us kids one day, we're at a wedding or something, and uh, we walked in, and my mom said, you kids, when you walk, you just glow. When you walk in, you just glow. Now you know where my self-image comes from, right? It's unbelievable. She, it, it's, but here's the deal. Mom... Instilled in me the belief that I could do anything. Of course, she had never seen me try to dunk a basketball, but she did believe that I could do anything. But here's the here's the 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 clincher through Christ. Here's what she always said to me God wants to do something great with you. God wants to use you. Isn't that wonderful? That is so much better than a lot of the worldly philosophy that we hear. So a simple truth. He is sufficient. He is sufficient. Not only is he sufficient, he's all we need. He's all that we need. Uh, One man said this. Christ is an all-sufficient Savior for an insufficient sinner. He is an all-sufficient Savior for an insufficient sinner. Now, here's the deal. I I really do believe this. How many of you love Jesus today? Would you raise your hand? I, I know that you do. I know that you do. But we really, you know, when the Bible describes the Laodicean period of history, which is where we live, here's how it describes it. Because thou sayest, I am increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's the way that this period of history is described. And the idea of needing something of needing something we went on this Baptist history tour and I wanted to make sure I didn't need anything so I got Oreos and I got uh, potato chips and I got Reese's peanut butter cups and health food you know this is a and I got Jacob Nutra grains <laughs> <laughs> is that just evil so we got all the all this stuff why because it might have been a little while in between meals and look, a man's got to have his Reese's Cups. You know what I'm saying? We, we've got to. And, and so the idea of going without, and what was so funny was to hear guys on the bus, man, when are we going to eat? And these guys are, let me say this, they've not missed many meals. You know what I mean? But that's the culture that we live in. Would you all agree with that? We, we don't know how to do without. It's wonderful for me. You all have provided me with a wonderful library. So as I was getting ready to preach, for today. I wanted to preach on the sufficiency of Christ. And so I went to my library and I I pulled down four or five different books that I was going to peruse for this. And here was one of them. It's called The Second Person, talking about Jesus by Lehman Strauss. And so I open up this book and there's a chapter in here called His Sufficiency. So I was able to pull a book down off of my shelf and learn some things about the sufficiency of Christ because I wanted to preach about the sufficiency of Christ. Now imagine someone living you know, in some place with no books, no availability to those things. Yeah, Patrick, when I said no books, he went, oh no, he's a librarian. That's what he does. And so the, those, those things, we just have everything that we need. Would you all agree with that? We have everything that we need, but this book cannot give me sufficiency in Christ. Where is the sufficiency in Christ going to come? When I realize that I have sufficiency in Christ. He is all that I need. Now, here's the deal. For most of us, as we're sitting here today, here's the way that this truth is coming to us. That's true. I I like that. That's, That's good. But there are some people here who are saying, Pastor, you're right. Because where I am right now, all I have is Christ. Christ all I have is Christ so a simple truth a simple truth he is sufficient he is sufficient but not only do we have a simple truth there is a serious truth a serious truth not only is he sufficient he is necessary look at John 15 with me I want you to see something John 15 he's necessary Now, I'm not going to have time to explain the whole passage here. So let's read verse 5. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, that's Jesus Christ, ye are the branches. Now, here's the idea. How many of you have ever seen a branch live apart from the tree and apart from water and apart from soil? How long will that branch live? Not very long. What do you do with that branch? You throw it in the fire. Why? Because it's not good for anything. All right. So he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. What does it say right here? For without me, you can do what? Nothing. I wonder if you really believe that. I wonder if you really believe that you can do nothing without him. In this book, he quotes, Strauss quotes, the modernist Harry Emerson Fosdick. How many of you have heard of Harry Emerson Fosdick? We've mentioned him here before. He preached a famous message called, Shall the Fundamentalists Win? He did not believe that Jesus Christ was God. He did not believe that he was virgin born. He didn't believe in any of those things. And he had a radio broadcast. He influenced the nation away from believing God. And listen to what he said about people. And tell me if this sounds like, please don't say, uh, be tuned in to what I'm saying. Do not amen what Fosdick is saying here. All right, Because you're about to get strummed if you do. Now, now look, here, th- this is very clear. When I read this, this will sound like something that you would hear often today. In churches, on the radio, listen to what he said. I believe in man. And uh, the, the title of this sermon was To Know Thyself. He said, I believe in man. If a man is having trouble endeavoring to say, I believe in God, he may get light... Starting closer to home and endeavoring to say, I believe in man. He said, Jesus' attitude toward human personality can be briefly described as always seeing people in terms of their possibilities. He habitually looked at men in terms of what they might become. He saw prodigals in far countries and women taken in adultery and thought of them in terms of their moral possibilities. No, he didn't. What did Jesus say? Without me, you can do nothing. Do you know what moral possibilities we have? None. None. We are in and of ourselves able to do nothing for Christ. Now, listen to what Strauss says. This is really good. It is true that Shakespeare was the son of a bankrupt butcher and of a woman who could not write her name. Beethoven, the son of a consumptive mother and a father who was a confirmed drunkard. Schubert, the son of a peasant father and, the mother, uh, and a mother in domestic service. Michael Faraday, born over a stable. Faraday, was in, in, he discovered electrolysis and electromagnetism and these other things. Michael Faraday, born over a stable. His father, an invalid blacksmith. His mother, a common drudge. And his education begun by selling newspapers on London's streets. Now listen to this. We acknowledge that these men, along with others, have made great strides, but do not think for one moment that the literary accomplishments of a Shakespeare, the musical productions of a Beethoven or a Schubert, or the scientific discoveries of a Michael Faraday have satisfied the soul's quest for God. This is awesome. He said this. If the moral possibilities in the best of us were realized, we still would be far from God without Christ and without hope in the world. You know, we've all, how many of you have ever heard this? Self made man. Right? It's just not true. It is just not true. You might be able to accomplish a lot. You might be a great musician. You might be a great artist. You might be a great composer. You might be a great athlete. You might be a great builder. You might be great at industry. You might be great at a lot of things. None of those things will ever bring you closer to God. Why? Because without Him, we can do nothing. So moms, you might be the best homemaker. You might be the best cook. You might be the best person to care for the clothing. You might be the best person to order the finances of the home. You might be the person that keeps it all together. None of those things will ever bring your child closer to Christ. None of those things will ever bring you closer to Christ. Amen? We must understand that our sufficiency comes from Him and He is vitally important and necessary to our lives. I'll tell you what. You might have this life that you think is this life of perfection and everything is ordered and everything is just right, and in a moment it can be gone. But you still have Christ. Now, here's the problem. If your sufficiency has been in those things, if your sufficiency has been in the model of this life that you have, if your sufficiency has been in your children, then when those things are gone, what do you have? Christ is there, but you don't know how to lean on Him. Because you have exercised yourself to lean on everything other than Jesus Christ. He's so necessary. He is so necessary. He is sufficient. And He is necessary. I can do nothing without Him. He's so wonderful. And He wants to meet my needs. So we have a simple truth. He's sufficient. We have a serious truth. He's necessary. And we have a saving truth. He's able. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. He is able. Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. This is one of Laura's favorite verses. One of the reasons Jesus Christ lives is to make intercession for you and me. He's there for you. Mom, when you're in that struggle, when I can't imagine, my friend Dalton is going through this right now. He's a basket case. Remember, he told you that while he was here. He's a basket case because his kids are leaving home. They're gone. And when you've invested your life in your children, and then they're gone... And that's just him. Lisa, his wife, he's going through it the same thing. And ladies, how would you, how would you ladies like some free time? Could, could you all stand a little bit of free time, right? It's tough, isn't it? And you order your life and you're investing in those kids, which is why God made you as a mom. You know, all those studies that have been done with babies that don't develop properly in orphanages because they never have that personal skin-on-skin, skin, physical contact with mom. I was at the airport yesterday waiting for the plane, and there was some song on, and this mom had her little baby, and the mom was just walking down the aisle like this with the baby, just in her own world, kissing the baby and enjoying it. And the baby had no idea the love that the mom was giving her. It was really it was precious to watch this, because that mom couldn't care less what the world thought about her loving on her child. Right? What happens when the child's gone? Where does that love go? And there's an emptiness that's there. Why? Because what happens in many times, in many cases, the love that is due Christ is being given to the child. Amen? And so your moms are saying, well, wait a minute. Are you telling me I'm not supposed to love my child? No, I promise you this. If you give that love first to Christ, you'll love your child. (laughs) You'll love your child better. I almost knocked over the pulpit and I almost recovered it and I came over here. All right, here's the deal. Man, I'm tired. I can hardly stand up. Give me a break. Look, if you'll love Christ and if you'll devote yourself, how many of you ever heard this phrase, a devoted mother? Have You ever heard that? How about this? How about this? Can we change that? How about a devoted to Christ mother? You know, that's going to be the best mom in the world. You see, he's necessary. He's sufficient. He's necessary. And he's able. He's able. When that time comes and the children go away, or God forbid they die, that happens. What are you going to do? Is your sufficiency in the child? Is your sufficiency in Christ? You see, all of the pressure... All of the burdens on you, ladies, Christ is able to help you. Why? Because He ever liveth to make intercession for you. He's there to give you exactly what you need. He's able. He's able. I want to do many things for Laura. I want to do many things for my kids. How many of you dads have ever done this? You wake up and you say... Hey, I'm going to do this. And you have this plan of this wonderful day that you're going to invest in your children. You're going to talk with them. You're going to teach them something. And then before you're up five minutes, you're ready to kill them. <laughs> that ever happened? You plan this special day of fishing or you plan this special day of interaction with the kids and you get out there and they're just not interested. That ever happened, Right? There's Brother Ferriers down here. Josh unbelievable. Like every time I tried to do something with Josh, it was like that. Every time I tried to be serious, Josh told me a joke. Or at least what he perceived as a joke. Now look, (laughs) if you don't know Josh Farrier, ask him to tell you a joke and you will understand what I'm saying. (laughs) No, don't say, aw, he enjoys that. He loves it that it's a bad joke. Don't worry. Jimmy, his brother-in-law, is there attesting to the. Your jokes aren't any better. I don't know what you think you're talking about. My goodness, you might be the only person in the room who has worse jokes than your brother-in-law. But you have to live with him. Well, I see why his jokes are bad then. Now look, can't you just feel the love in this place just oozing out of every pore? All right, now, now look. All of us have been in that situation where we have this great desire to invest in our children and it doesn't work out the way that we want it to. It doesn't work out the way that we want it to. And that's just part of life, isn't it? That's just that's just part of life. But what about when you genuinely want to accomplish something from the Lord, from the word of God in that child's life and it doesn't seem to be happening? Then what do you do? Where's your sufficiency? Is Christ able to accomplish this? Is he able? Is He able to sustain your spirit? Is He able to to renew your passion for His Word? Is He able to renew your love for that child? Is He able to renew your love for that husband? Is He able to renew in you the right spirit to do and to accomplish what He's called you to do? He's able. He's able, but we're so we are so prone to find a human answer. Let's go get a book on twelve steps on how to be a better mom. Here, can I give you the first step? Love Christ. Love Christ. He's able. He's able. Then, oh, I, let me. I, I wrote this down. A careful reading of the scriptures will reveal that He is necessary and He is able. Amen. All right, last point, every Baptist favorite point. So we've seen a simple truth, a simple truth. He's sufficient. We've seen a serious truth that He's necessary. We've seen a saving truth. He's able to save you. He's able to give you eternal life, and then He's able to give you a life that is wonderful while you're here on earth. Then lastly, a satisfying truth. He is all I need. He's all I need. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, I I think because of the false preaching and teaching that's out there, there are people who genuinely believe that once they get saved, they won't have any trouble anymore. Well, Probably if you're a Christian, once you get saved, you'll have more trouble. Right? Jesus Christ said, you you will have tribulation. That's what Jesus told us. In this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have sorrow. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. This is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. So the Apostle Paul was given more information in the New Testament than anyone else. All right? And so God didn't want to be lifted up in pride. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh... The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So he had a problem, didn't he? The Apostle Paul had a problem. Then look at what it says. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So Paul had a need. He went to the Lord with his need. And the Lord gave him an answer. Look what it says in verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is what? For thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now here, look, I know where we are. I know the way that I look at this passage. There's a passage like this in our Sunday school class where I feel the same way with it. I look at that and he says, A messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, that's not nice. That's not fair. And then it says that, that when I'm weak... Then he's strong. I don't want to be weak. I was watching Jake yesterday. He had been sick all through the day, and, and he was getting weak. You could, I watched him walk up the stairs, and, and he was weak. None of us want to be weak. Amen? Brother Farrier had back surgery, and I was watching him go down the stairs this morning. You don't want to be like that, do you? No, but I'd better be like that than other ways. <laughs> Amen? Better that than flat out, right? Now look. We don't want to be weak. Do you know that spiritually? That that weakness? That your weakness is good? Because then you see how strong he is. You see how strong he is. Um, If you drive down 675 during the day and you see that Von Maurer department store, There. And you look at it and the building looks nice. And then you drive by it at night and they have these lights all around it. And you look at it and you go, wow, that's amazing. You couldn't see it during the day. You had to have the darkness for that beauty to be seen. In our own lives, in our own lives, sometimes, sometimes it takes the darkness of trouble, it takes the darkness of difficulty. It takes the darkness of our weakness to see the glory of His strength and the beauty and wonder and uh, soul-satisfying beauty of that grace that He wants to give us. Now, let me ask you this. If I asked you this question, would you say yes? Is His grace sufficient for you? See, until you genuinely need it, you don't know. You don't know. Now, I'm not telling you to... Uh, double negative, you're not supposed to do this, but I'm not telling you not to enjoy the things that God has given you. Enjoy it. Go home today. Enjoy all the stuff that your family does for you. Enjoy that and, and just say, thank you, Lord, for it. Enjoy it. But if you're... I guarantee you, someone in this room, this will happen. My kids forgot about me today. My kids forgot about me. Well, is your joy... From what your kids do from you, for you, or is your joy from the Lord? Amen? It's very difficult. Where is your joy? He's able. He's able. A satisfying truth. He's all I need. Now look at what it says. Paul had a need. He went to God for a question. God gave him the answer, but he also has a supplier. Look at what it says. Verse 9 again. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now look at what happens. He had a supplier to give him the grace, and he has a new satisfaction. Look at the middle of verse 9. Most, what is that word? Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take, what word there? Pleasure. In infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Hit a new satisfaction. A new satisfaction. Are you satisfied in Christ today? Are you satisfied in Christ? If you're trying to be satisfied in your children, you'll, you'll be disappointed. If you're trying to find satisfaction in your husband, you're going to be disappointed. And the lady said if you're wanting to find satisfaction in your career, if you're wanting to find satisfaction in your things, if you're wanting to find satisfaction in your health, you're going to be disappointed. But if you look for satisfaction in Him, you'll find the most glorious, satisfying experience that you could ever hope for. Listen to what Spurgeon wrote. The soul satisfied in Christ. He who delights in the possession of the Lord Jesus has all that heart can wish. As for created things, they are like shallow and deceitful brooks. They fail to supply our needs, much less our wishes. The bed of earthly enjoyment is shorter than that a man can stretch himself on it. Have you ever gotten stuck sleeping on a, on a, like a love seat or something? you ever experienced that and you can't stretch out? I know you're thinking, that's never happened to you, has it? No, it really has. There are things that are that short. It's that, that's a bummer. And then listen to what he says. So shorter than that, a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrower than that he can wrap himself in it. Have you ever been in a situation, you're having to sleep in your car or something, and you're trying to wrap yourself up in a coat, and every time you move, something's uncovered and you're cold? Have you ever experienced that? But in Jesus, there is room for imagination's utmost stretch and widest range. When Jesus is enjoyed, He puts a fullness into all other mercies. The creature without Christ is an empty thing, a lamp without oil, a bone without marrow. But when Christ is present, our cup runs over and we eat bread to the full. A dinner of herbs, when we have communion with Him is as rich as a a feast as a stalled ox. And our narrow cot is as noble a mansion as the great house of the wealthy. Go not abroad, you hungry wishes of my soul. Stay at home and feast on Jesus, for abroad you must starve. Since all other beloveds are empty and undesirable, stay with Christ and eat that which is good and delight yourself in fatness. Look, Jesus Christ, ladies, Jesus Christ wants to be your all in all. He, he's sufficient. He's necessary. He's able and he loves you so much. He wants to supply all of your needs. Don't look elsewhere. Don't look for anything else to make you happy. Don't look for anything else to fill your soul. I, I want you ladies not to have the downcast appearance of someone who has the weight of the world on them. I want you to have joy. I want you to experience the fullness that comes from Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word.